Good evening, Davila. Good evening. Welcome back to the Inkwell. It's nice to have you back the second time. Nice to be back. <laughs> Thank you for inviting again. Yeah, it was lovely to have the first conversation with you. And for those who haven't listened, I highly recommend to watch it. You'll probably find the link somewhere above. And uh, this time we decided to meet together once more to address the common questions that our students have when it comes to learning Lithuanian. So this uh, conversation, this podcast will be specifically focused on foreigners who want to learn Lithuanian or learn Lithuanian as a foreign language. So the villa has had quite a lot of experience teaching foreigners because that's exactly what she does. Mm -hmm. And uh, I do the same. And uh, for a time, we have gathered quite a few common questions that people have and well, we'll try to address them as best as we can. Uh, so, so Davila, uh, what what is the most common question that uh, your students ask you? Um, I guess the most common question I get in the very beginning is how much time will I need to learn Lithuanian? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to answer that question, well, it really depends on a few things. One of the big important factors is which languages you know at the moment. Usually, uh, people that know Latvian <laughs> learn <Yeah>. the fastest. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, I have a Latvian boyfriend, so I can tell you that he learned Lithuanian without learning it. Uh, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, we speak Lithuanian at home um, right. every day. Um, so he just learned it by being uh, surrounded by Lithuanians at work and spending uh, free time with Lithuanians. Mm -hmm. And that's it. He didn't need to take courses. Um, but nice. I know that Latvians who take courses, they usually need a few months. And that's it. <laughs> Seriously, only a few months. So I wonder if it's, if it's the same for Lithuanians that want to learn Latvian, because uh, that would be quite cool. I, I would love to learn Latvian in a few months. Why not? <laughs> I have a few spare months. I could dedicate it for Latvian. <laughs> I tried once to study it because of my boyfriend, uh, but I couldn't keep up. I <laughs> I quit at some point, but it was very, very, very easy. And so satisfactory because with other languages, it wasn't so easy. <laughs> so very nice. I get it. It's probably like uh, when a Spanish speaker learns Portuguese or Italian or something, it's the same satisfaction uh, that one gets. That's nice. And I do also have one student um, who is a Belarusian native and has been living in Lithuania for a year. I think I've mentioned her uh, the last time as well. Her name is Tatiana. And uh, yeah, I think in one year's time, she became very fluent in Lithuanian, at least in an everyday conversations manner. Uh, maybe she's lacking some vocabulary, but uh, she has definitely be reached a very good level of fluency. And I think what these two people have in common, uh, your boyfriend and Tatiana, is that both of them either live in Lithuania or live with Lithuanians. So they expose themselves to a lot of Lithuanian in general. So the question I might ask here is how one should expose himself or herself to Lithuanian when the person is not living in Lithuania? How can one surround oneself 
modality in a language to immerse. So uh, I have some ideas, but also first, I would like to ask uh, yours. Mm -hmm. um, if a student is a beginner, usually the best idea to begin with to immerse yourself is to listen to Lithuanian music because it's a mm -hmm. fun way. And uh, if you find music that you really love, it's a slow effort thing to do. You just keep listening and keep learning. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. Um, I know that many students uh, try to listen to the radio. Mm -hmm. uh, many of them uh, like um, M Vianas or Radio Centras. Mm -hmm. They play uh, mainly uh, pop music um, and they chat a lot. Of course, they chat so fast, but uh, the, the language they use usually is very, very uh, informal. Um, for example, if you try to listen to LRT, our mm -hmm. national uh, radio, let's say. Um, Broadcaster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit maybe too formal to begin with. Um, it's nice to listen when you already know some Lufoidian, but in the beginning, mm -hmm. maybe it's a bit too, too formal. And I think I would like to add to the music parts that uh, if you listen to Lithuanian music and you've managed to find the lyrics uh, to the songs, there's a very, very nice uh, Google Chrome extension that is called mm -hmm. Remembery. I'll put uh, the link uh, in our description. Uh, we're not sponsored by Remembery or any other um, plugins or programs that we're going to use. They're just very useful for me as a language learner myself and also uh, as a teacher for my students. So Remembery lets you translate unknown words from the target language into the language that you understand without leaving the web page. So you don't have to go to, let's say, translator, Google Translate, or whatever translator you're using. You just double click the words and you get the translation in page. And uh, most of the time it's much better than let's say Google Translate and you can select from a myriad of different languages. So, so very nice, very useful little nice tool because I use it with Portuguese. So I listen to a Portuguese podcast that uh, also gives me a transcript. So thank you, Leo, uh, from Portuguese with Leo for giving the transcripts to your students for free. And uh, yeah, I just uh, read the transcript after I listened, the words that I don't know, I just translate with Remembery and that's how I increase my vocabulary and so on. So I think that could be very nice, uh, like, uh, moving your listening muscles and your reading muscles and the vocabulary at the same time for music. So that could be one very good uh, way. Um, does anything else come to mind? Uh, well, at the moment we have maybe um, golden times uh, of podcasts. Uh, we have many podcasts yeah. now in Lufoinia. Um, uh, if you are, if you have, intermediate level that's already a good start with the podcast we have mm -hmm. many of them of course some of them might not be the best choice because uh if three guys at the podcast speak <laughs> at the same time <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> uh, for example like the 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 most popular i guess podcast uh veltia parties um yes. loved by many lufoinians um Usually when I, um, 
when I uh, talk about this podcast to my students, they said, oh, I know this podcast, my partner is listening to it and I hate it. <laughs> ah. <laughs> is it because the guys speak too fast or laugh like crazy people? <laughs> all, all of this, like they speak. All of the above. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they speak uh, at the same time, very fast. They laugh a lot. It's, it's hard to keep up with them. <laughs> Although I think they have received some complaints for doing that. And like uh, the latest episodes I heard because my girlfriend listens to them as well, uh, is they actually uh, now try to say like, sorry, I haven't yet finished or like uh, uh, the, my point was that, you know, so they're kind of navigating this issue. <laughs> but yeah, for yeah. now, I, unfortunately for beginners, I haven't yet met uh, or haven't yet heard any Lithuanian podcast that would be suitable for beginners. Although there is one girl that comes to mind and I might put her podcast in the description notes as well. Uh, she used to be, uh, I think also, um, she used to work on the radio uh, and she has a very nice, uh, slow and very well-spoken Lithuanian. So it shows that the person had experience working on radio. So so I think that could be more beginner friendly. So I'll try to to put it in the in the description, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, yeah, yeah. Please, you were saying. I remember that we were the the first question was like how much time it takes to learn yeah. Lithuanian, yeah, and we said that um, it depends which languages you know, right? True. Um, so we didn't actually answer that question. What if you know, let's say, English only? Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that should be addressed. Um, I think that if you dedicate a year for learning it twice, you, maybe you have twice a week uh, a lesson or mm -hmm. group one or individual, you really can reach a level in one year where you can have a simple conversation in everyday life about everyday, everyday topics. Maybe mm -hmm. you won't be able to listen to uh, Veltia Pati's podcast, <laughs> True. but uh, you will be able to answer uh, your partner's, uh, your partner's family's questions about uh, yourself. Yeah. It's One important. year is, is a good. I believe like many, many of my students actually learn Lithuanian because of this reason, because of let's say their partner's family or they come to Lithuania and they don't really understand what's happening around them when they're visiting their spouse or something of similar nature and yeah but um, one thing that we ha would have to add here that I think two lessons a week is good but it's not enough because you have to dedicate your free time uh, outside of the lessons to learning the language like uh, I was honored by my Portuguese teacher, Manuel, that he said that I'm his most, I'm his fastest learning student when it comes to Portuguese. But I think it's kind of comes together because of a few reasons. So one of them, I'm living in Madeira, which is a Portuguese speaking island. Second, I interact with people who speak Portuguese. I go to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu classes where the coach speaks Portuguese. Uh, I, sp I speak with a taxi driver. I speak with the hairdresser. I try to expose myself to as many possibilities to speak Portuguese as I can. And on my free time, I try to listen to podcasts or music. 
uh, read some text, translate words. So it's actually, it's not just that it's a fluke, you know, and you start learning quicker than others. It's just because you dedicate more time and you try harder and you try not to get discouraged if you fail, because that's what you should do during your first years of study. You will not just come to a Lithuanian person and start speaking fluent Lithuanian. You know, you're going to forget the words. You're going to try to say something. It won't come out the way you want it. And it's good. It's experience. It's learning. And the third time when you want to order a Coca-Cola and popcorn in Forum Cinema, you'll do it much better, maybe even perfectly. (laughs) But don't expect you'll do it smoothly the first time. It's not how it should be. So, so yeah, just a small note I wanted to add that, you know, having lessons with the teacher even five times a week is great, but that does not mean you shouldn't study on your own because I think you do actually do more progress studying on your own and teacher is helped here to guide you and also so you can practice your speaking because it's hard to do it without the teacher. Yeah. What do, what do you think about that? I think that it's, it's the key to learn a language you have to practice it uh, outside the classroom because also in the classroom we have this nice setting students feel uh, safe to say whatever they want and make mistakes Um, they know that it will be fine we will stop maybe uh, and uh, answer their questions correct them or like it's it's a safe setting and they are relaxed uh, but in mm-hmm. real life setting, uh, you are nervous when you want to speak that language. You forget things. Then uh, uh, you you think slower, and uh, it's it's hard to do it. But it's important to do it. Once you start yeah. doing it, every time, as you said, it's easier and easier. Yeah, and so yeah, it's like a muscle, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I just remember uh, uh, at the moment I'm learning Estonian because I live in Estonia. <laughs> uh, so mm-hmm. I can also share that uh, I'm having lessons with uh, my uh, teacher once a week, I think. Yeah. But I keep practicing uh, my Estonian outside. Yesterday I was very happy because I could buy coffee almost without... <laughs> almost without... Um, without uh, any other language but at the very end i still had to use uh, russian so, but i was very very happy ah. that okay almost i could play it almost <laughs> oh i didn't know that you speak russian as well yeah i speak a little bit of russian so yeah mm-hmm. i guess like in estonia there are quite a few russian speakers and it's like um, quite common still to communicate in that language but uh, just a little bit of a side notice, I think that it's quite interesting that Estonia is a Baltic country, but Estonian is not a Baltic language, whereas actually not even an Indo-European language. So I think like for a Lithuanian to learn Estonian is as hard as for, let's say, a German to learn Lithuanian. So so you actually, you haven't taken, learning Ukrainian or Belarusian would be probably easier than learning Estonian from, from from what I gather, at least. Is it a hard language to learn for, for now? How was your experience? Yeah, mainly it is very, very hard because all the words that you have to learn, they make no sense. Like they feel like <laughs> they came from the moon. 
no no connection to <laughs> to languages you know so you have to use some tricks right. how to remember them uh, <laughs> very difficult and also the grammar uh is is crazy grammar is crazy <laughs> yeah wow is it in any ways similar to let's say finnish or swedish or norwegian or danish uh, does it have any kind of like cousins in terms of languages in some way? The closest language is Finnish uh, yeah. and a bit further is Hungarian. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, because it's Finno-Ugric. So, yeah, that's also odd that, you know, there are two, well, more than two, but uh, Hungarian and let's say Estonian are quite related, although they are very far apart geographically. But I guess that's the same as like Lithuanian and Sanskrit, you know, geography mm -hmm. is one thing, but you know, migration of people and languages is another. But anyway, coming back to Lithuanian, mm -hmm. uh, not to move yeah. too far away. Uh, yeah. So let's say we're speaking now about people who have a different language uh, grammar structure, because if you are Russian, Ukrainian, uh, Polish, Belarusian, most likely the vocabulary is going to be different or although there are going to be a few cognates let's say like i just realized a few days ago that the word kamenas which means uh wait uh where does the sand how does the santa go into the buildings through what chimney that's the word in english so kamenas is chimney right and i realized that uh, the russian word kamen is rock which uh, kamen, well, kamenas is made of kamen. So actually there is this relationship, although in Lithuanian, uh, rock, Russian, kamen, Lithuanian, akmo, they are different words. So if you are a Slavic language speaker, most likely it will be easier because there are some cognates and because the grammar is quite similar. We have all of the language have cases, the cases are quite similar in terms of the logic of the cases, when to use the case. Uh, most of the time they have prepositions, and I'm sorry, not prepositions, but prefixes and prepositions. So the, how the language is arranged is quite similar and you're going to have a easier time understanding the logic behind the language, right? Like for you as Estonian, now it's harder because it's, a, it's not even Indo-European. Uh, whereas if you're, let's say, a German speaker, um, I don't know, an English speaker, a French speaker, uh, it's going to be a little bit harder because uh, most, well, German has four cases that I know. And uh, so at least Germans have an understanding of what is a case, like that nouns can change endings and for what reasons they do that, they have this idea. But if you're an English speaker, it's quite hard to get your head around this, right? So let's say we take an English speaker and uh, we want to explain them what is a case, right? Yeah. What is the case system in Lithuanian? How could we explain the purpose of the case system and how it functions and where should one start learning the cases? Because it's quite rough at the beginning. So what are your thoughts about that? Um, sometimes... Uh it is good idea to start talking about um, subject and object that in a sentence we have mm -hmm. subjects and objects for some people it, it becomes very clear then 
but mm-hmm. not for all of them. Maybe uh, some people didn't uh, talk about subjects and objects in school and their language mm-hmm. uh, lessons. So it's hard for them to, to really understand what's that. So um, uh, then I like to begin um, group uh, cases uh, from, let's say, locative where it's quite easy mm-hmm. uh, to explain that, for example, in Lithuanian, we don't have word in. And mm-hmm. if you want to say in, you will just change the ending to this and mm-hmm. this. Um, so True. then with the time, uh, we also get to some uh, structures like, for example, we want to say, I have a girlfriend or I have a boyfriend. And then we start to explain that, well, this is you who is having something, then you will mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. be in nominative case and mm-hmm. your boyfriend or girlfriend is an object that you have. We want to show that, emphasize mm-hmm. that in our sentence. So we will change the ending to accusative case. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. But if we start explaining all the cases at once and the whole system, uh, usually uh, it doesn't work. Um, True. people get lost if if they're into languages then usually they like it but if mm-hmm. they're not into languages then it usually doesn't make sense to get into all those details in the beginning at once cool well before we get deeper into cases and Lithuanian grammar and you have mentioned a very good thing like some people are, are into languages and some people are not so I imagine those people who are into languages they're actually quite excited to learn. Like they're like, wow, what is this new thing? Like, how does this work? Like, or when they understand, it's like a whole new world opens up for them, right? But for people who are not very into it, it's it's more of a drag, like, oh no, one more thing to learn. Oh no, one more thing to understand. So you can already imagine from the emotions that the first person will have definitely an easier time learning the language because he managed to take a challenging situation and look at it with excitement like like this is like a challenge or something that i need to understand and when i will understand there will be a reward because i will know it whereas Mm -hmm. the other person who looks at it from another point of view like oh no not again like this is so hard uh, will definitely his brain shuts down and it doesn't take in the information because he doesn't want to like We do things that we want to do most of the time if we are given the choice and we don't do the things that we don't want to do. And our brain is very simple when it comes to that. If you think that uh, I don't want to learn this, this is too hard, you don't even have to think I don't want to learn this. You just tell your brain by saying like, oh, this is hard. Why why again another exception? You close yourself down. So I think to... We should get this one out of the way that if you catch yourself doing that, you should really have a conversation with yourself. <laughs> it's like, well, remind yourself why you have started. And um, if the motivation is still strong, uh, carry on, uh, remind yourself. And if it's uh, the motivation is not strong, well, maybe you should be doing something else instead, right? So, you know, don't torture yourself. So, so, but I think you always have to come to the roots of the why. Uh, that you started. So going back into the cases. Uh, so probably I actually teach uh, locative case or in Lithuanian Vietnamese the first, because as you said, very 
understandable purpose. We want to show the location of an object. Uh, so where something or someone is. So instead of using prepositions, let's say in English in on ads, we just change the ending. Let's say if we have the word Wondua, which is water, uh, to say in the water, we say not Wondua, we say Wendenia. Or let's say, maybe let's take a more common ending, uh, Namas. So the first uh, declension, one of the most common endings, uh, masculine, Namas. So we drop the us and we just say Nama in the house. Right, so 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 it's quite straightforward, but some of the cases are not that straightforward. When you think about, let's say, accusative or dative, or uh, maybe I wanted to say raditel nipadesh, but that's in Russian. So let me think. Maybe genitive case, right? So what? Which of the cases are the most difficult to explain to students? Because let's say let's take instrumental. Instrumental is quite easy because we want to explain the person that we're using something as an object or we're going with someone somewhere. So we still can play with the prepositions. So, kashkwa, right? So let's say, or, but uh, of course, if we're having the negative, there's another way around. So what, what do you think? What, what parts are the most difficult to comprehend? Um... I guess one of the most difficult things is the difference between uh, genitive and accusative because mm -hmm. both of them can be used as uh, for a direct object, right? But then you have to think, uh, is it defined object, is not defined? Uh, we don't have articles in Lithuanian like the or an, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. we use genitive and accusative to express it the same. Um, so... Uh, there's a rule, right? But uh, you 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 should have a bit of a feeling of this language uh, to learn that rule a bit uh, better and be able to use it. Um, also, it's very difficult to explain and, and, to, and then to understand uh, dative when we use it to, to express the time. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between um accusative when using the time and what's the difference uh then with genitive um then uh very very in the beginning people uh open their google translate or dictionaries they look for a word for uh they find that it's ush maybe and they start using all the time ush <laughs> <laughs> But then we have to teach them, like, uh, look, Osh, you will not use that much as you would like to. Sure. You will probably have to use a dative or accusative uh, to talk about the time. Right, that is correct. And so sometimes in some situations where you need to, to use uh, the dative case in general, you will not even use any prepositions in, in general. So it, it, there will be no hints uh, only the feeling that you get what sentence you want to say but to get that feeling first you need a lot of input so you need to like hear it very frequently and pick up on certain features and i think another thing is like just do quite a few controlled exercises so i think like lithuanian is one of those languages 
that you have to do controlled exercises. You cannot just have free speaking exercises. We're just speaking about te- topics and imagine that you will, well, you will pick it up, but uh, you will work on your fluency, but there will be a lot of mistakes in terms of accuracy. So to practice accuracy and to understand how cases works, I guess you need to actually to do controlled exercises. So we were speaking a little bit about that in the beginning before our conversation, and we were speaking about what is the best student book for a beginner to have, because this is super good. Like I know that people don't like uh, doing exercises in student books, but believe me, this will so this will help you so much <laughs> with the cases and the right endings, and you, it will lower your frustration just because you will get into the habits of thinking about it and so on. So what student book would you recommend for, and what student book do you use with your students? Uh, So maybe we can add uh, the download link from, let's say we had one from Vilnius University and so on. So, but please, please tell me which and why. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I'm working with my uh, group courses, I um, use a book called Sekmes. Segmes, which mm-hmm. means good luck in Lithuanian. Um, right. It's a good book to start with because it's not it's not a complicated one. It's very simple, uh, but gives a very, very good base of uh, grammar and vocabulary. And it has everything. It has uh, not only grammar, but uh, reading exercises, listening tasks, many dialogues that you can read and listen to. Very nice one, and you can uh, download it uh, from Vilnius University bookstore for sixteen euros. I think uh, it's not a, it's not a expensive one, and you can download it. It doesn't matter where you live; you can have it. It's very easy to get it, and it has uh, an answer key in the very. Well, not in the in the very beginning of the book, but like a separate uh, document. It has the answer key, so you can work on your own with this book. Uh, it's very nice. Um, another book that I like to work with is called Learn and Speak Lithuanian. Unfortunately, you cannot get it uh, as a PDF file. Um, but you mm-hmm. can get from uh, Lithuanian bookstores online. They can ship it to you. Um, it's a nice one, especially uh, if you want to review already what you have learned uh, as a beginner. It's also It also starts from the very beginning, but it also can cover A2 level. It has nice texts it has many 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 exercises and it has answer keys so you can um you can uh, check it uh, on, on your own and these two books that i mentioned i think they're like up to date when yeah. you work with them they don't feel uh, outdated which uh, for example i think a uh, very popular one nedia nos boss or potruputi they're a bit Mm -hmm. outdated or sometimes feel too childish and for adults it's they are not the best options i think at the moment true true so thank god there are a few options and one of them the the one called sekmes 
because you can download the PDF, it's like you can start learning like immediately, you know? And 17 euros is not that much. Like mo most of the time it's like a breakfast in a cafe buying some, you know, I know, pancakes <laughs> and a coffee and something else. <laughs> So, so you can cook once at home and, you know, get a very nice PDF for you to learn. Uh, let's speak a little bit about uh, prepositions. So many people understand how prepositions work. Uh, for example, in English language, most of the time is to show the opposite. So let's say, let's take example, the word respectful, an adjective, right? Pagarbus in Lithuanian. So to make the opposite, you can say, well, not respectful, or you can say disrespectful. So you add this as a prefix, right? So Lithuania has the same. You can say pagarbus, ne pagarbus. But uh, in many situations, we use prefixes outside of this uh, opposition, right? Uh, we use it to say, let's say, that someone, either someone came or someone gone out. Did someone arrive or did the person walk through? So in English language, we have many different ways how to say a certain thing. And most of the time, they don't seem connected. In Lithuanian, most of the time, you have a root verb and you add a prefix. Let's say, let's take the word to go, eight, right? So if you want to say to come, you add the prefix at, at eight. And if you want to say leave, you can add the prefix ish, ishate. Or if you want to add a prefix to come to the point, you can say no eta and so on. So so adding different kind of prefixes just helps to get the message across, let's say in movement, is someone coming or going out and so on. So when you teach prefixes, do you teach prefixes starting with verbs of motion? Or do you teach prefixes in another way? Because that's the way I like to teach, like verbs of motion very clear, uh, just every day. But of course we have prefixes outside of this. So how do you teach them? Uh, usually we start meeting them with verbs of motion. And yeah, it's a good start. It's easier to explain with those verbs uh, because we can see logic behind of it that we can later usually transfer to other verbs um, mm -hmm. usually it makes sense once you know that for example ishate is to leave this ish is has something to do with inside and outside uh, mm -hmm. right uh, or preate um, uh, means to approach and it's very similar to priya right mm -hmm. which means close Mm -hmm. There are many details that make sense, and we can transfer those details um, to other verbs, and it helps to learn. Of course, there are verbs that, with the prefixes that just don't make sense. We have to learn them by heart. They are just like that. We can think about some verbs that like just don't make sense. I think tikte. Tikte, aha. Tikte is to fit. But yeah. I can say so sedikte is to meet. Of course, mm -hmm. so, which it means with, kind of makes sense. Uh, you meet with someone. But then we have which means to find someone 
doing something uh, bad most of the time doing something bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah or <laughs> not ticked to happen Patikta. Uh, e to like uh e-ticked. um hmm. how to translate that it's like when you want to get on someone's good sides so so you kind of uh, want to show a good impressions uh, so the other person likes you and you know it's good with you so e-ticked. kashkam yeah, yeah. Um, ah, I just remembered the story. Stote um, is to stop, right? And very often when we have a prefix pai, it just, show, it just shows that this uh, process is done mm-hmm. and that's it. But pastote doesn't mean <laughs> the end of It's just the beginning. Pastote <laughs> <laughs> yeah, means to, to get pregnant. And um, yeah. I, I had a student who actually wanted to use this verb in real life and used it. And she said to a driver, <laughs> Argalita pastote. <laughs> I want to see that. I would like to see the reaction of the person. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes feels like you, pro- you, you already get it. You can play with it, but... No, <laughs> it doesn't work all the time. But it's good to, to know these kind of very common uh, uses without the, these uh, more interesting exceptions. Uh, because let's say I've kind of most of the times related to when I'm speaking with an English speaker to continuous tenses and let's say perfect or simple tenses because one focuses more on the action. So let's say derite, it's to do. But we're but it's most of the time the data you have a feeling of an unfinished actions, so it's more like doing the data. So let's say I was doing homework, right? So I was in the progress of doing homework. Whereas if I want to say that I completed the action, I got a result, I would add the prefix pa and saying and that would be more like I have done or I did my homework. So mm-hmm. if you don't have a prefix, most of the time uh, it indicates an action that has not reached a certain result. Well, at least it's not said that it has reached the result. And for a Russian speaker, it's easier to say, well, one is Nesevershenivit, while another is Severshenivit, which is very similar to Lithuanian, but uh, I don't know if we have similar um, phrases in terms of grammar. So, but thinking about a process in action without a result and an action with a result, with a prefix, I think is quite helpful in, in some uh, situations, let's say. But of course, if you, let's say we take the word miagoyo, so I was sleeping and we say pamiagoyo. So it's like I slept a little, right? Truputi pamiagoyo. So let's say I was tired during the day. And uh, I went to take a nap. So it also shows a result, but you know, you also have to have more information about this phrase because it shows a short process with the result. Or um, whereas if I want to say that we, we slept well, and so like we woke up fully rejuvenated and so on, we would say, right? So it's like, whew. 
So that's a different tone than Palmiago oil. Uh, so, so, so yeah. Uh, but I guess it comes with practice. You get the basics, uh, how it works, and then you kind of start developing uh, the patterns that you cannot learn through just rules. It comes with, you know, just using and getting more inputs. So, and what, what about stresses? Uh, because many many people have many problems. My student Artemis, uh, he has a problem with stresses. Uh, it's not a problem, but it was his question. It's like, uh, how can we actually uh, manage to get the stresses right? Because most of the time you feel like you have got it. You know that it goes like this. It goes in the back, then to the front, then to the back. Thinking about conjugations. And then bam, something just like <laughs> somewhere that does not follow this order. So the question here would be twofold. First, uh, are there any rules for stresses? And the second one, how should one approach learning stresses? Uh, there are rules for uh, stresses, but too many to learn them and apply them when speaking. Um, I always tell to my students, Yes, there are stresses, um, rules. Um, we can learn them if you want to, but I do not recommend that. Yeah, <laughs> it will not true. help you. It will not help you while speaking. Uh, we can learn them just out of the curiosity. And mm -hmm. with some students, we do that. Uh, they see that those rules are not the rules that they wanted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we leave it. Um, I also noticed that uh, many students think that they have more problems with the stress uh, than they actually do. Um, mm -hmm. Usually True. with the time, they just get better and better with the stress without even knowing that. It's just because mm -hmm. they're exposed to the language um, and they just get better and better with that. Even uh, Lufoinians make mistakes uh, <laughs> uh, with stresses. When I'm saying mistake, let's say that it's not a standard stress yeah. that you might uh, hear in a formal standard Lufoinian, right? But we still understand each other and we don't sure. think that something is weird. Uh, so uh, I also, I'm coming from a region where some, uh, some words uh, are stressed different from the standard. And when I uh, came to study to Vilnius, I had to learn some some things to stress as a standard mm -hmm. uh, Lithuanian. Um, uh, rules didn't help me. I just mm -hmm. uh, I just would listen um, to Lithuanian standard standard Lithuanian, let's say on uh, national broadcaster, um, and I would think like, okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't stress it like that. I have to remember that this is how we stress it in the standard Lithuanian. And then uh, every time I speak, I want to, and I want to speak in the standard Lithuanian, I would do it very consciously. Okay, this is the word that I usually stress, not as in standard. I will now do it and do it and do it. And with the time, uh, it shifted. Now I can do it better. Um, also, when I don't know about the stress, I don't use, if I want to check myself, I don't use those rules. It's it's not 
uh, fast enough. <laughs> I just yeah. go to Kirchwaklis, uh, uh the website. I uh, write a word or even the whole phrase and I check myself. That's the quickest way. Good. I actually, I wanted to speak about this uh, website and um, are you using the one by Vitotas Magnus University or another one? Uh, I'm using that one and there is also an app. Mm -hmm. That's good uh, because I also use this one for, for my students. So this, I just show them how to use it. You take a text, you put it in the Kirchoklis and you get the same text with all the stresses. Of course, you, I need to explain that there's a short stress, there's a long stress, there's a stress that we most of the time put uh, on a consonant, uh, which is a little bit awkward for some people because they're used to having stresses only on vowels. Whereas in Lithuanian, let's say uh, the word kalba and the word kalba is not the same. So one is a noun language, kalba, where you can hear the stress at the end. Whereas uh, the second one, kalba, is uh, first person, uh, uh, person presence. Uh, where a person is speaking, yes, kalba, yes, kalba, letuvu kalba. <laughs> so, so just for for a person that is not yet used to how it sounds, th these two words are the same. Uh, <laughs> but once you get really, once you train your ear, you start noticing that it's not the same. So, stresses are quite important. But I do agree that most students focus a little bit too much on their mistakes. Uh, and, you know, it's just because I guess our brain is more used to focus on the negatives than on the positives. And, you know, I have to remind them that like 90% of time you actually use the stress correctly. So, so reassurance is important. So cool. Cool. Yeah. And, uh, I think you wanted to add something before I <laughs> jump into another question. Am I, am I right? Uh <laughs> Yeah, but maybe your question is related to that, like in general, the pronunciation. Yeah, so maybe I'll change the question because I had another one, but let's keep on the note of pronunciation. So how can actually, how can people, because some people really struggle with pronunciation, not only with the stresses, uh, do you teach people to, let's say, pronounce uh, different kind of letters, uh, or maybe when there are two vowels together, like O or let's say O and so on. So how can one approach like learning to pronounce the words correctly, not just to stress them? Mm -hmm. uh, also, often the same thing as with the stress. Uh, when people start learning Lithuanian, they feel like this language uh, makes it makes them feel like they have a hot potato in their mouth and <laughs> the, the sound <laughs> the sound that comes from their mouth is not the same as I'm pronouncing and they feel frustrated because somehow they think that they should pronounce the same as I'm pronouncing but it's just a matter of practicing of course that the first day it will not sound as I'm pronouncing because I'm pronouncing it like this for the past 30 years <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, you won't be able to pronounce it the same as me from the first day because your your mouth is used to work in another way uh, so with the time it's getting better and better but um, 
there are some sounds uh, that uh, are more difficult to pronounce. So we do not dedicate uh, time or lesson, let's say one lesson just to pronunciation. When something comes up, uh, we discuss it and then we uh, try to pronounce it as it should be. And uh, if students make uh, pronunciation mistakes that could lead to people not understanding them, then we stop and we try to uh, pronounce and pronounce it better. Um, now, this is what we are doing during the lessons, right? But mm -hmm. what students could do um, between the lessons uh, or if they are not having lessons, again, coming back to uh, music, music is very, very good. If you uh, find a song that you really like, it's a very good thing uh, to listen to it and try to sing together because, uh, again, you hear this on and on, very good, but you also could uh, make your mouth work at the same time and check with yourself. Also, you can record yourself how you are pronouncing that or how you are singing that and compare with the song. Uh, also, mm, um, we can take uh, actually a book. Yeah, if we have a book, we can do that. Uh, uh, a book for learning. Maybe even that one we talked about, Sick Miss. Yeah, mm -hmm. they have many simple dialects recorded there. Uh, so what I recommend to do sometimes is to listen to the dialogue, then read it out loud and record yourself and check it, then do it again and again and again and focus on uh, things that you want to improve. It's just a matter of the practice. True. And also, uh, don't be surprised if you go to, let's say, the region where the villa is living or the region where my father is from, which is uh, Zukia. Uh, my father is from ECA. And uh, uh, let's say in Konas, we would say, Eino i pardotove. So I'm going to the shop, right? Eino i pardotove. Uh, in VCA, they would say, Eino in pardotovi. So that's very different from i pardotove in Pordotovi. And you cannot say that this is incorrect. Uh, this is just how Lithuanian is used in the region of Zukia. And if you go to Okštaitija or Jamaitija or Sovalkija, doesn't matter. You might hear some variations. Uh, but of course, when you learn the standards, most likely all the different dialects will understand you. It doesn't mean you will from first understand them. <laughs> So, so you have yeah. to keep that in mind, <laughs> which is, which is actually the fun part, because then you see that, you know, it's a, it's a, not just a very, you know, narrow one dimensional world, you know, learning a language has many, many layers. Uh, but you know, that's like for the future when person comes to Lithuania. Yeah. And, uh, also students have, uh, different perspectives to the pronunciation. Some people uh, want to get really good at the pronunciation, so they sound like natives. Uh, they wouldn't have an accent, as they say. Well, this is hard to achieve. And uh, the question is, 
do we need that? Uh, yeah. Well, I understand the the wish to sound like a native, but uh, are you ready to dedicate so much time enough for it to reach this line? Like, for what? Well, you should have really good reason uh, to do that. And uh, how I sh- how I would like to look at the pronunciation is that we should learn enough. Uh, so people can understand us. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if people understand us, perfect. That's very good. Uh, you shouldn't be too harsh on yourself with the pronunciation to sound like a native. Uh, yeah. We speak now English and we have accent and, well, it's okay. Of course. We can we communicate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at the same time, you just don't want to make it painful for the other person, right? Because uh, in Lithuanian, we have a phrase, reja osi, mm-hmm. right? So so it's like when you're, reja osi is like when some kind of sound, you know, when you take the nails on a board and you start. <laughs> for some people, this is a very disorienting sound. And it's for, for me, I, it's also, I feel like, Ugh. so sometimes when you have, your pronunciation is very incomprehensible it makes it difficult for the listener. So I think your goal is also to make it as easy as possible for your listener to understand you. So so I think that's one of the goals when it comes to your pronunciation. You don't have to sound like a native. You just have to sound in a way that it would be. A, and if we're speaking about that, uh, you know, we're thinking about the listener. For me as a listener, I like different accents. I like how Italians speak Lithuanian. I like how French people speak Lithuanian. I like how many different nationalities speak Lithuanian because it's interesting. For me, it's engaging to hear a person from another country use my native language and to see that it my native language can be actually a little bit different when it comes from their mouth. <laughs> you know, So it's like, I can understand you and I'm also having the pleasure of listening to my native language with a twist, you know, so it's cool. So you don't have to necessarily, if you want to sound like a native, you know, try, go ahead. It's not a problem. It's actually, if you want to get like very well integrated in Lithuania. So one of my students, Artemis, he's planning to, he wants to get a job in Vilnius University because he's a history uh, professor. So right now he's working in Hague and he is wanting to relocate. And uh for that reason, he wants to like really sound Lithuanian. So it would be easier to communicate with the staff, with the students and so on. That's a very good goal. Like if you, if you're like Artemis, go ahead. But if you're just wanting to learn the language for the sake of learning it, or, you know, to speaking with people on the street, you don't have to force yourself to be like as perfect. So, so yeah, cool. And. Uh, to give a little bit more motivation for our um, students and maybe people who are just interested in Lithuanian. Uh, Dovilla, before uh, starting our conversation, uh, reminded me of a very nice, um, I don't know how to say it, Leda in English, a very nice show yeah, uh, that you can find on the internet on Delfilta, which is Gime uh, Neliatuaya, in other words, born not in Lithuania. And it's about uh, speakers of different languages who learned Lithuanian 
And now they have conversations about Lithuania, about many kind of things about them. Just please remind me, are, is that less, is that a show in Lithuanian or is it in English? I think it's in Lithuanian, isn't it? In Lithuanian, yeah. Mm-hmm. How cool is that? So you can actually listen to people from Nigeria, Ethiopia, other countries, Italy, speaking about their experiences living in Lithuania and so on in Lithuanian. So you can actually see that it's possible and you can see different people from different backgrounds. Like Ethiopian is definitely more far apart than let's say English and Lithuanian, right? So if if a person from Ethiopia can learn, you can definitely learn as well. <laughs> Unless you're Native American, which is even further apart. But I think even that, that could be done. <laughs> well, we don't have any Native Americans on the show yet, do, do we? I, I don't think so. Them. No, that would be super cool. Well, anyways, so so how did you find that show, and uh, what is your experience as a teacher listening to these people speaking Lithuanian? Um, I had a student who was invited uh, to that show. Uh, mm-hmm. My student is um, from uh, Brazil, but she's Lithuanian descent. Uh, mm-hmm. She speaks very nice Lithuanian, very, very nice. Um, although she thinks that her Lithuanian is not so good, but <laughs> that's a main problem with uh, with, uh, with uh, students. Sometimes they speak so well, but they still think that is not good enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's true. That's yeah. sad, but also good <laughs> because it, pushed them, it uh, makes them move, move forward. But yeah. So, so what, what's about her? How, what was her experience? Uh, did she enjoy uh, being there? And uh, I haven't uh, listened to her conversation. How, how did it feel for you as a teacher to have one of your students on the show? Oh, it's very, very pleasant to see that uh, your student is speaking Lithuanian on a show. Amazing, yeah. amazing. <laughs> Very pleasant. And uh, in general, I like, like you said, I like hearing different accents. So that um, that show is very pleasant to watch because people have um, different accents and you can see that they are not afraid of talking. Well, at least I guess they might be a bit uh, afraid to talk. Yeah, but it seems like they are so free with their language. They enjoy it. Uh, they even use uh, some... Uh, informal language you can understand that uh, they use Lithuanian every day because they mm-hmm. know these expressions it's very nice to watch and like I don't as a Lithuanian I'm not like watching the show and thinking like oh they have accent disgusting <laughs> <laughs> oh my it's sad <laughs> to think that some people might actually do that but that's a very small minority, and these are definitely not the people that you should think about. <laughs> or talk with. <laughs> yeah, or have any acquaintances with in general. So yeah. so that's for sure. Quick question about the show. Uh, does it have Lithuanian subtitles? And I'll tell you why I ask this question uh, later. Uh, as far as I know, no. I haven't seen uh, subtitles there. Um no no okay because i have a very nice uh, plugin 
Uh, similarly, similarly, like Remembery that I use for reading, I use Language Reactor for videos that has subtitles. So for people who watch English, well, they're learning English, let's say. It's very cool because uh, YouTube auto-generates English subtitles. So if even if the person didn't put the subtitles, you will get auto-generated, which are not 100% correct all the time. But with Language Reactor, you can say, have the English subtitles and at the same time uh, have Lithuanian subtitles. So there are two subtitles. And then if you watch a video, you stop, you don't know the Lithuanian words, you hover on the words or the English words, whatever, and you get the translation as well. So it's also translating the whole text and every single word. And they put a couple of options. There are, I think, three or four options. So. If the word uh, is out of context, you can check other options and maybe there's, so it's very nice. But the only problem that I see is that most Lithuanian videos don't have Lithuanian subtitles. So you cannot use this feature to its full potential uh, because you have to have some kind of titles that language reactor will change into your chosen language. So if you're learning Lithuanian, you can be Chinese, Japanese, Korean, uh, Mexican, doesn't matter. You can get those two subtitles in the given language. So I haven't come across a lot of Lithuanian content with Lithuanian subtitles. Have you come across any? Uh, yeah, mainly on, 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 on LRT. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, I've noticed that lately... Uh, I forgot how it's officially called, but uh, Bata Nicholson uh, has a show. Maybe it's called Bata mm -hmm. <laughs> Bata Show. <laughs> okay. I don't remember now, but it's about cool. food. Uh, she has guests. Uh, they come over. They cook together, and they have an interview. They chat about something. Uh, I've noticed that usually they have Lithuanian subtitles. But uh, it's on their uh, platform, yeah, LRT platform, Mediateka. So LRT, LT. Mm -hmm. And uh, as well, I think this is good for two reasons. Well, first, re first reason is uh, why many English people put English subtitles even if a person speaks fluent English. It's not because the listener cannot comprehend, but maybe he has uh, hearing impairments. So the person cannot hear and uh, he has lost her, his or her hearing so he can read. And uh, I think that could be one of the motivators for Lithuanians to start putting Lithuanian subtitles because not every person is as lucky as we are in this regard. Mm -hmm. And from a side note, note, it's super useful for people who are learning the language. And nowadays, there are more and more people learning Lithuanian, which is great. Uh, I really like that people started learning this uh, lovely language. And uh, yeah, so so it actually puts a bright future on it. So that's good. That's good. So one thing that we haven't yet talked when it comes to grammar, we talked about nouns and conjugations. We talked about, let's say, uh, prefixes. So the things that most of the uh, people have trouble with. Uh, we haven't spoken about verbs, uh, only with uh, verbs in relationship to prefixes, ate, ishate, ateite, and so on. But uh, I use a platform called Cooljugator. Do you know about it? 
I know it, yeah. I know that uh, students like to use it a lot. I'm not a fan of it because every time I try something, I find mistakes. But right. I guess, I guess with the most popular verbs, they don't have mistakes anymore. Uh, True. What I tend usually to uh, recommend instead of Pulgigator uh, is a platform uh, Morphologia. Mm. But just today, I got a message from uh, uh, from uh, from a student. He also yeah. uses that platform that he found a, a weird thing. Um, but I've noticed that usually it works well, Morphologia, a bit better than Cooljugator. And also it's nice because you can use it not only for verbs, but also nouns. They will give you all the cases. Oh, that's very, very nice. So Morphologia, is it Morphologia.lt? Um, no, I think it's dot something.lt we can later add it to the description okay i'll maybe ask uh, if you can to send the link after that because this is a very very useful resource and uh, i liked one of the features of cooljugator is that with the most common words there are most likely not going to be any mistakes and you can put uh, press a button which puts the stresses so most likely there will not be mistakes with words like go ate drive, vajuata, uh, eat, valgita, and so on. But with more complex ones, there might be some issues. So what about morphologia? Do they also put on uh, stresses on the words? Good question. Now I don't remember if they do that. Uh, I would say no, but I'm not 100% sure. Mm -hmm. But still, if you can get put a noun and get all the cases that's super useful so 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 i think i'll try both and maybe i'll put it both in the description so there are going to be a ton of links <laughs> there's going to be links to let's say useful plugins links to the, the websites that we use for stresses and uh, conjugations and uh, also declensions and uh, also i'll put a podcast and I'll put also my uh, website because I have started writing short stories in Lithuanian uh, j just for the sake, because I noticed that there are not many beginner friendly materials. So I haven't yet started doing Lithuanian podcasts, which I would love to do and have the villa uh, as a guest or as a co-host. We'll, we'll discuss that afterwards. And uh, so at least for the beginning, I'm trying to create short stories for so people can read and using remembery translate unknown words. So use simple grammar structures, not too difficult cases. Some here and there are more interesting vocabulary like shnekuchuatas, right? So most most students know the word kalbete, kalbetes, or, or uh, what other words do we use to talk? Kalbetes, bendraute, uh, but shnekuchuatas, it's a, it's a fun one because it's more like to chat. It's more like uh, to have a conversation about the weather, nothing too important. So, so I drop in bits and pieces of these kind of words there. So, so, so yeah. Any other material that you would recommend the students to use online? Because we want to make them as independent as they can, right? Uh, we can assist them as much as we can during the lessons, 
But outside of them, we want them to be independent and be responsible for their learning process. So what, what else could you recommend in terms of material or just in general, general recommendations? Um, yeah, uh, we talked about Kuljugator and Morphologia, uh, that sometimes they might have some mistakes, maybe not 100% reliable. Uh, when talking about verbs, um, uh, students want to know their main forms, yeah, so they can mm -hmm. form uh, the past, uh, present forms, and they need material, some kind of resource resource word to check any any verb and to get real answer uh, right answer to so for that i would recommend to use a uh, lithuanian dictionary which is online it's a uh, website lkz.lt um you should put a verb in its infinitive form um and it shouldn't be reflexive or probably shouldn't be also with a prefix. Not all prefixes work to find it, uh, but it will give you the main forms uh, and they will explain what the word means. Uh, th this dictionary is so huge that they have words that I don't understand. <laughs> it's like it's huge, huge. And they have many, many examples with all those verbs that you read a sentence and you don't understand it um but yeah to check main forms amazing very good because you will get there the right answer um Perfect. what else ah you know what um if you have intermediate level or a bit higher a2 level uh there are plenty um PDF uh, books that you can download for free. Uh, let's say um, there is a book, Jinxness. Uh, there is the first part and the second part. It's about the grammar. Um, it has uh, chapters by the grammar uh, topic, for example, accusative, and then many, many, many exercises for to practice accusative. Um, and we have also... Um, vocabulary um, books for free that you can download. Uh, one is called Jodis po Jojo. Jodis po Jojo. Yeah. Um, and then there are more advanced ones. Grammaticos pratimai vienas, grammaticos pratimai tu. And there's also a free um, B1 book that you can download as well it's nice it has a uh, nice uh, text that you can read also um, vocabulary tasks um, it's called takas takas which mm -hmm. means a path in Lithuanian so that's a very nice name so takas and, and it's more like a b1 level but of course like B1. if people are yeah. interested in reading like I'll give an example with uh, Portuguese with Leo, the podcast that I mentioned for learning Portuguese. It's like I started learning it from one of my teachers recommended it for me to get the hang of the pronunciation because sometimes you don't know where the word begins and ends because it's, it has a lot of influences from the Arabic language. So uh, it's similar like we would have the sounds in Lithuanian, but it's more foreign to to a Lithuanian or let's say an, a Slavic speaker of some language. Uh, 
So I had some problems understanding where, what's the borders of a word. So I list, started listening to that, that guy speak. And at first I almost didn't understand anything because it's an intermediate level podcast. Uh, but with time I started picking out words and I still listen to that podcast. Now I re-listen some, some episodes and a year later I understand like 80% or more. Uh, mainly because I have already heard it before uh, and I know the context, but with every re-listen, I understand more and more. So I think people should not be afraid of reading more difficult texts, especially if they have tools for translation and so on, because you don't need to read the text once. You need to read it a few times and in different, you know, with some gap, you know, weeks, months, years, possibly. So, so yeah, so Takas, even for beginners, don't be afraid that it's B1. I think the text could come in handy as well. Yeah, and uh, there's another free book for B1, which has many texts and exercises of reading. Uh, it's called Nedianos Beliotovokal Bos, the second part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also the third part, which is for B1 and C. Uh, one, what is nice with the third part of Nedianos Periotivokal Bos that it's not only a PDF, but it's actually all online and you can do exercises on the website and they check it, correct it right in the, uh, the website. You don't have to check the answer key or something. It's a Super very cool. nice. Super useful. Wow. So I feel like we have covered definitely a lot and I hope it's going to be useful for those who are interested in Lithuanian. And, you know, I, I think that it's a myth that it's the most difficult language on the planet because, you know, <laughs> probably we, we would like to think because that would make us super special, but there are Native American languages, uh, Inuits uh, and, you know, like people in Africa that have clicks in the sound, you know, it depends like what language are you coming from? So it's all, all relative in some ways, and uh, but it's not an easy language, that's for sure. So you ought not to be uh, scared that it's impossible, but you also should be prepared to actually put in the time and effort to learn and having good teachers uh, as the villa uh, and also having great material as the things that we have mentioned might come in handy to make the process easier. So... So that's what I would like to wish our students and others. It's like uh, to, to have this understanding, have the right mindset. You know, you're not uh, with a gun to your heads saying you should learn Lithuanian this year. You know, you don't make yourself be the person. Don't make yourself be the gunman. You know, you, but you also don't have infinity of time because you're a finite being and, you know, you don't want to say, oh, well, learn this tomorrow or next week, you know, you should have yourself in check and learn and study and be interested in what you're learning. You know, be excited about it. Uh, you should have make yourself into such a place that you would like to actually sit down and learn. And you know, having different kind of ways of learning helps because maybe you don't want to do grammar today. Well, go read something or maybe listen to a song or maybe you don't want to listen to something. Well do a grammar exercise in a case or, you know, you can call it a person on italki and speak for 13 or 30 minutes, uh, try to speak in Lithuanian. It's like so many ways how you can actually learn. So, so that would be my, 
advice for people like to have to keep the excitement and going and uh, Dovila, maybe some last words from you I just wanted to add that uh, usually a lot of excitement gives uh, trying to speak to Lithuanians. Uh, it yeah. motivates a lot because uh, you can see that people actually understand you and you can uh, keep the conversation going. And then you realize how much you already have learned. Um, and even if you are a beginner and uh, you try to keep the conversation and then they say something that you don't understand, well, uh, Change a bit the mindset and uh, praise yourself for the part that you understood and you could have already. Yeah, just the way of yeah. uh, how we look at it. Yeah, and also just as a side note, many Lithuanians are very happy when people are learning Lithuanian, so they will try to help you to an extent that maybe it's too much help and you didn't want that. <laughs> <laughs> so they will try to explain you things and so on that could be like you're not ready for that. But but people generally want you to learn Lithuanian, right? It's and they're willing to listen and you know take their time. Most of the people there are rude and you know people that you know are anywhere. And no disrespect, let's say to French, but uh, from my girlfriend's experiences, even if you speak almost fluent French, but you have the wrong pronunciation, the person will say, Poof, "Like I don't understand what you're saying." <laughs> like even if the person does, so so no disrespect. But that's uh, not not the way that it should be done, <laughs> and not everyone does that. But yeah, so <laughs> so most likely you will not experience that while learning Lithuanian. Hopefully, uh, so so yeah, uh, speak to speak to people. They'll they'll try to help you, and be ready that some things you will not understand because you should not. Uh, you're you're if you're starting especially. And yeah, it just comes with time. You know, give yourself a few years. You know, no, no rush. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, and if some people will say, "Oh, they switch to English and Russian when they hear me," well, just you don't switch and keep going in Lithuanian. Keep yeah. talking in Lithuanian. Do not switch if they switch. That's why. That's what I do with Portuguese. Like uh, most people in Madeira speak English fluently because it's a touristic island. And some of them want to speak, um, want to improve their English. So they want to speak with me in English. Or some people don't have the time or patience and they just assume that I understand English and start speaking me, to me in English. And it was a little bit disconcerting for me as well. But later I just realized that like, fuck it, doesn't matter. I'll speak, I'll continue speaking Portuguese. So there are situations when I'm ordering, let's say a meal and the lady speaks to me in English and I speak to her in Portuguese, but because she understands what I want, I understand my Portuguese is good enough. Fair enough. We still understand each other. So, so even if the guy or the lady changes into an English, English, Russian or whatever language, as Davida said, keep on going. Uh, it, it's still time for you to shine <laughs> and practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to be persistent if you want to learn. That's that's true, and you don't have to be discouraged either. It's a it's a battle, <laughs> or many battles. Yeah, yeah. Just cool. keep going. So, Davila, I I would like to thank you for joining in today once more, and to, and for explaining, you know, just many kind of things about Lithuanian that most of our students have asked, and I believe some other students would like to know too. And uh, yeah, we'll. 
see the necessity of doing one more of our conversations, I would be glad to have you back. You're an invaluable resource for me as well, because I, I didn't know about, let's say, Morphologia uh, website, which I should know. <laughs> so now I do. So thank you for that, for me as a teacher as well. Uh, and yeah, I believe it's going to be super useful for others too. So once again, uh, if you want to re-listen to what we were spoken, I will put the timestamps so we can go back to special topics. And I'll also put everything once again in this description. So go down below, check it out. And if you want to, you know, support the podcast, just follow us. <laughs> it helps. <laughs> it helps keep the motivation going at least. <laughs> so, so anyways. So thanks again, Davila. And until next time. Thank you for having me. Bye.